Hello and welcome to the Star Wars Saga Cast. My name is John Wilson and this is episode 7 of the show where we'll be taking a look at Star Wars issue number 5 from Marvel Comics, the penultimate chapter of the Star Wars film adaptation. And on the cover we have a lot of our friends like Han Solo, Chewbacca, and Luke Skywalker in it looks like some sort of hangar bay. There's an X-Wing fighter uh, resting in the background. The Millennium Falcon is partially in shot. And up in the sky is the Death Star shooting lasers down on the planet. Nothing like this happens at all in the story. However, they got to make a nice dramatic comics cover, so that's what they're going to do. Uh, since last issue, Luke appears to have gotten a little bit of a hair dye job going on. He is definitely brown-haired on the cover. He's usually been blonde or light-color-haired on previous covers. And in the top left corner, he's still light-colored, making me look more like he-man in comparison to the comics art hurry chewbacca we're being attacked by the death star it's too late kid we're finished as the death star gets ready to shoot at them but of course luke skywalker strikes again and inside the title of this story is low the moons of yavin not low like L-O-W is you know close to the ground, nor low like the sound a cow makes, but low L-O, which is short for look. And in case you uh, didn't know, and some of your old-timey speak there, lo and behold is uh, um, ancient speak for look and check it out. Stanley presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all, based on the film by George Lucas, a 20th Century Fox release. And this issue is done by Roy Thomas, writer-editor, Howard Chaikin and Steve Lealoha, illustrators, Glennis Ween, colorist, Tom Orzachowski, letterer, and Archie Goodwin, the consulting editor. Now, I wonder what consulting editor does here. If he is maybe just the letter answerer in the letter column? I don't know. Because Roy Thomas is the writer and the editor, normally the editor will handle the letter column, but the letter column, last issue, whenever it talked about Roy, it did so in the third person. So maybe Archie Goodwin is just helping out with that. We do have an ad before we get to the story, though, and I haven't really been doing very much with the ads in these issues, but I do want to mention this one because it's an ad for the Pizzazz magazine, which is something new that Marvel Comics is going to be starting up. And I mention that because it's important for us because Pizzazz, for all of its 16-issue run, will feature a Star Wars strip which we'll be talking about in just a couple of episodes. So last time, if you remember, the Millennium Falcon had just busted away from the Death Star, and now we're not out of this yet. Come with me, kid. Han Solo is running across the hold as Luke Skywalker and Leia are looking on in astonishment. Remember, Luke has just lost the last person in his life from Tatooine, Ben Kenobi, and C-3PO and R2-D2 are just standing all pretty and droid-like in the background. That's probably the best scene C-3PO art we've had so far. And this issue is the third one to hit after the movie came out. So it's possible that's, that Howard Chaikin has actually seen the film by this point and can use that for reference when he's drawing his characters. Han and Luke do climb into their gunner areas. And Luke's all worried. I've never fired this kind of gun before, but I've got to do it. I've got to for Ben Kenobi. And several TIE fighters do come in for the kill. But Luke and Han make short work of them with their blasters and everything else. While they're shooting, however, the TIE fighters are shooting back. And there's some uh, explosions and such happening inside the cockpit. Leia's all, ah, falling over from an explosion. Reee! But after a few, a few pages of shooty patootie, the TIE fighters are taken out. 
it actually fills quite a few pages with the space fight. I'm wondering if they were trying to figure out how to fill pages at this point, because we don't have a whole lot of story left. But we do have two entire issues. So maybe why the space fight takes like five pages to do. But of course, they do take out all their TIE fighters, as I said. And inside the Falcon, Han is, we've made it, princess. And Luke shouts, we've made it. And that's when Leia tells him that the reason that she had to be rescued, the reason that the droids are so important, is because it has the technical readouts of the battle station. I only hope that when the data is analyzed, this weakness can be found, and quickly. Our escape was easy, far too easy, to suit me. And back aboard the formidable battle station known as Death Star, the ease of their escape is explained as Governor Tarkin ensures with Darth Vader that the tracking device was installed on the ship so they can follow the Millennium Falcon right to the Rebellion's hidden base. Now, what I'm wondering about is why didn't they do this whenever they were uh, chasing Leia's ship at the very beginning of the movie? Instead of going through all the trouble of destroying it and killing everybody, why didn't they just track it to the Rebel base? I mean, that would make things a lot easier, wouldn't it have? I don't know. Han Solo's retort about, what do you mean our escape was too easy? Like he has in the film, is here, although it wasn't in the book. And when Leia repeats her hopes that they can have a success against the Death Star, Han Solo cuts himself out of that group. Cut that we stuff, princess. It's all over for me. I'm not doing this for your revolution. I'm not doing it for you. I expect to be paid. Well paid. You needn't worry about your reward. If money is all that you love, that is what you will receive. And whenever she says her line about, I wonder if he really cares about anything or anybody, it's funny because she's like standing all wistful like, oh, I wonder if he really cares about anything or anybody. And then Luke stumbles over his words because from the art, it looks like she's sort of whips, you know, wistfully looking after Han. But uh, that doesn't really go along with anything we've seen in the story so far. But of course, Luke... Um, cares. He just says it in his mind. And whenever she's gone and Han Solo has this whole, you think, her and a guy like me, Luke's, <laughs> Luke's interrupting no is accompanied by gnashing teeth. And he's, he's a bit, he's a bit peeved. He really, he really likes a princess. He wants to get some princess action going on. Of course, you know, this is really like the first girl he's ever met. So, you know, if the first girl, if the first girl I had ever met was a you know, Carrie Fisher in her late teens, then, you know, I'd be wanting some of that too. So that's just me. The Millennium Falcon arrives at the planet Yavin, a huge gas giant, and lands on one of its moons. The the moon number four, in fact. And rotting in a forest of gargantuan trees is an ancient temple surrounded in an eerie mist. Again, no description of what the temple is like. No Sith temple words are here. Commander Willard meets them at the gate. Very, very happy to see Princess Leia after having heard about Alderaan. And we go very quickly to General Dodonna's lecture on how they're going to attack the Death Star. Han Solo and Chewbacca are there watching, but they're only waiting for their reward. After Luke and Wedge argue about whether or not they can really shoot the hole on the Death Star, we cut scenes to the hangar bay, where Luke bids farewell to Han Solo, somewhat reluctantly, of course, because he really wishes Han Solo were staying there to help them out. And interestingly, as Luke storms off, well, take care of yourself, Han, but I guess that's what you're best at, isn't it? Luke Skywalker hardly hears Han Solo's whispered farewell, may the Force be with you. So they don't actually have that somewhat reassuring goodbye that they have in the film. He and Leia meet each other before he gets on board the plane, and she gives him another little kiss. May the force be with you, Luke. The force of my love. 
and is sneaking up behind Luke Skywalker. Luke, I don't believe it. How'd you get mixed up in this? Is, of course, Big's Darklighter. And we even get an editor's note referring us back to issue number one to find out all about Luke's childhood chum. Blue Leader comes up to say hi to them. Biggs vouches for Luke's abilities. They promise to get caught up as soon as this mission's over, and everyone's loading up and getting ready to fly off. C-3PO urges R2-D2 to hold on tight. You've got to come back. You wouldn't want my life to get boring, would you? And the X-Wings are off. They all launch from the moon, the forested moon of Yavin, to get ready to take on the Death Star. Now it's do or die. Or perhaps both. Next issue, the final chapter. And there is no letter column this issue to share with you what people were thinking about Star Wars at the time. There is a significantly higher number of ads, though, so I'm not sure why they decided to do ads instead of a letter column. But not a whole lot of note in this issue, kind of a short episode. I'm anxious to get out of the adaptation issues. We can get into some actual new Star Wars material that we don't already know from the films, but that's only two episodes away. Next episode the final chapter of the marvel star wars adaptation and then the episode after that will begin new adventures of han solo in marvel star wars and then new adventures of luke skywalker and princess leia in pizzazz magazine also from marvel so look forward to that Thank you very much for listening. If you want to send emails, I'll read emails on the air in special email episodes. You can send those to the Star Wars Sagacast at gmail.com. If you just happen across this episode somewhere randomly, more episodes will be found at the Star Wars Sagacast.com or on iTunes under the Star Wars Sagacast. So thank you very much for listening, and until next time, my name is John Wilson. Thank you very much for listening to the Star Wars Saga Cast, and good night.